Hello and welcome, I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. We are very much knee-deep in tech, and this is episode 77, recorded on the 25th of June, 2019. My voice is pretty much back to normal, Yeah, I think. My lungs, well, let me get back to you on that one. But they're, <laughs> they're, they're doing their job, I give you that much. Obviously. Even, well, yeah. But they, they did actually start to act up in uh, Lingen. Oh, that was interesting because the night before they started to, um, well, behave. <laughs> so I I, uh, I coughed a fair bit in in the morning of the the day that I was going to do my session, but it it worked out fine. Yeah, so I did my session, and nobody got hurt, and um, it's fun to drive in in um, in Germany and and uh, the Netherlands. So did you at least rent a decent car then? I. I'm happy you ask, because <laughs> what happened was I asked for a Volvo V40 because I wanted a small compact car, but they didn't have a V40 with a GPS, so they gave me an XC60 instead, Yep. and that has all the d- aerodynamic properties of a brick, kind which of. is kind of fun when you go to Autobahn and Freifahrt is still a thing. Yep. I felt like an anchor, but... I got to where I was, what I was supposed to be and everybody was We happy. have very, very different opinions on what a decent car is in terms of where you drive it. Well, decent Porsche. cars Porsche. comes with a price tag. Which we have discounts on. Well, a discount on a huge price tag is still pretty much bigger than a, a again, normal car. Again, I think I honestly should open up the needy being tra- tech travel agency to help you out with your travel arrangements. That's an interesting story that we shall leave for another day. So le- let's t- start with what you did in Germany. Well, I went to Data Grillen. It was used to be called SQL Grillen, but it turned out that there were so many interesting other aspects of, of stuff that um, William and, and uh, Ben. William Durkin and Ben Weisman changed it to Data Grillen. Yep. So it's basically data. It used to be databases, Bratwurst, and beer. Yep. It's an amazing conference, two-day conference in Lingen, which is just to the left of the ass end of nowhere in Germany. <laughs> There's a, no, nothing <laughs> I, I, happening I, in Lingen. I bet you that the local council of Lingen would love you for that way to well, market here's, them. Here's the thing. Lingen is absolutely nowhere, but... Huge artists come to Lingen. Sting comes to Lingen. So it's it's kind of a weird place. So it was two days, about 200 attendees. And I think it was four or five tracks. Yep. Amazing speakers. We had two from New Zealand, five from the US, people from all over Europe. And um, super good fun. And holy cow, the Germans know their Bratwurst. Yeah, they, they sure do. That's an amazing um, barbecue. It is nom nom. Yeah, and I'm very grateful for my coasters. Yep, I found a couple of coasters. And <laughs> apparently they had way more coasters than they had anticipated. So <laughs> it, I s- it usually ends up that way because like, I don't think you can order these in lesser amount than like 500 a piece. No, I, I think I saw... Um, Quite a few, but they were at least clever enough to not write the um, the year. year. Yep. No, 
no, so they, they will be able to use them again. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So you did your talking to myself session. Yes, arguing with myself. Self service BI from an infrastructure. Yeah, perspective. I, I forgot you never talk. You argue. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it it worked out fine. I uh, I got my um, evaluations this morning. Oh. And I generally scored in the four and the fives. Yeah. But I had one guy that's put in once all straight straight across. Okay. He yeah. hated it. Yeah. And that is it kind of drives home the point that it is a very special session. Yeah, it is. It is different, which some people thought was great. Yeah. But it's also a, a very good um, reminder that I need to work both on the abstract and on the delivery because yep. as as it stands I can always make it better. Yeah, but but again, I think that that's also a point that you you should strive to deliver sessions you enjoy delivering. Yes, and that won't suit everyone. No, um, I did. If you remember my session on Tech Days two years ago, I think the one with the uh, penguins. Um, or was that no? That, that was, was the, the first one, right? So the other one, um, where I scored like you said four and fives and i had one person that left 20 minutes in into a 60 minute session right and gave me a one right which dropped me out of top 10 speakers at that conference i'm yep. not bitter yep. at all um, but it also says a lot about what, what you say you can't please everyone mm. and I, I my honest opinion is should you really care about that if you had like 10 ones of course but if you have one out of 20, 30. No. Should you really care about that? Should well, you let that get to you? It, no. Um, if there is constructive feedback, yep. which in this case, um, good delivery, but not much content. Ah. that's I, I don't know if it's the same yep. person, but it was one of the yep. the feedback that I got, which it, it illustrates a thought that I've had that it is... A tad, it's not thin on content, but I don't drive my points home. No, nope. I don't end with a clear call to action, which is something I will change in my next yep. delivery, which is in in uh, Data Scotland in Glasgow. Yeah, but that again, that that's good constructive feedback. Yes, like you said. Yeah, and and it also drives home something that we have discussed plenty, both you and my and you and me and Jimmy and Jessica and so on. When it comes to delivering a technical session, mm-hmm. you can't do it without actual content. Many sessions, many other topics can be very relaxed, very contentless, and people will enjoy listening to you. But if you are on a technical conference, regardless if it's IT or something else, you are there for content. Mm. If you can spice it up in being fun or unique or being yourself... Uh, that's good, but that's not what many are expecting. So we can see people that are not too good at delivering a session in terms of speaking skills, mm-hmm. but have great content, and they will often get very high grades compared to someone that are really great at delivering the session, but have lesser content. So basically content first. Yeah. Yep, and I, I have to agree. Um, I don't necessarily like it. No. But I, I definitely agree on that assessment. Yeah. Speaking about a thing we will like, I don't even need to ask you, mm-hmm. Pi. 
Yes. <laughs> I I put my, as I actually said during my, my uh, presentation, I put my fingers in pretty much every pie there is, yep. including Raspberry Pi. And, and some of them got it and left. There was <laughs> a complete surprise announcement of the Raspberry Pi 4. Just, I think it was yesterday or the day before that. And holy cow, this is a it's powerhouse. An, in, it's, it's an insane device. Yeah. $35 for the base model, which has one gigabyte of yeah. RAM. So you have a one and a half gigahertz uh, quad core 64 bit CPU, yeah. which basically like three times the performance of the previous ones. Which wasn't bad. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And we had, uh, these days we have a gig- gigabit Ethernet, yeah. uh, dual band 802.11ac wireless, Bluetooth 5. Yeah two USB 3 and two USB 2 ports, yep. dual monitor support, up to 4K per monitor. That, that's absolutely insane. I can't understand how they can push that much performance into such a small and cheap device. No. And then we have the Video Core VI graphics, which has OpenGL support and 4K P60 hardware yep. decode of HEVC video. Yep. So basically what you have here is a $35 kick-ass thin client yeah absolutely and and i think that um do we didn't and i just saw the so 35 dollars for the one gigabyte Mm -hmm. but for four gigabytes 55 dollars yep it's it's uh, then you have the whole edge computing thing yep which is perfectly suited for i mean sql server on the edge Boom, ran it on this. Yep. Do machine learning on the edge on this. The opportunities are just endless with this piece of yep. hardware. And it's driven by USB-C, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so they've increased the the um, power that you can put in through the USB-C port so that you get full downstream power to the USB devices. Mm-hmm. But I think th- th- this in, in one way it's now getting so powerful that it could actually, in some cases, turn out to be hard to use in some very specific cases. Because it will... So if, if you were to put uh, an external power bank to it, to drive it in a like completely disconnected state, sure, it would consume much more power than the previous ones. No. I, no, it... No. no. It can. It... Yeah. One of, the, one of the issues with the Raspberry Pi 3 is that you are limited on the amount of current you can give to the, um, the Pi, the 3. Using USB-C, you are no longer limited in that same regard. So your USB things, whatever you want to connect yep. to it, cannot draw more power than you can put into the Pi. So there have been situations where you have kind of a brownout Yep. Which is not a good thing because it's probably going to fry your SD card. Yeah. By the way, I, I didn't know that they supported this. Do you know that it supports power over Ethernet as well? Mm-hmm. Then I'm sold. Yeah. And, and that that's the thing. It is just epic. Yeah. And it will be really interesting to see how this compares to the NVIDIA. Um, what was the name of that? That Igel and NVIDIA have been working on for their thin clients. Oh, really? What's the name of it's going to be very interesting because NVIDIA the, is yeah. kick-ass when it comes to video graphics. Exactly. So this, even though this could support 
like 4K mm-hmm. and everything else it does. I'm betting that from a hardware, really heavy graphics perspective, yes. the NVIDIA one will be better. But I agree. a bit more expensive. But one, one of the things that people started using the Pi 3 for when it came out was to run Kodi. Yep. It's called, it was the old Xbox Media Center. Ah, that, okay. Yeah, so it was like a, a, a um, it's H- kinda, HTPC. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. But one of the issues was with decoding of HEVC. Yep. Uh, that's the H265 uh, compression. Yep. But this guy is kind of running circles around that. So it's going to be interesting to see if this eats into the Apple TV market. But, and, and this, this is where I... I think it does the same things better, but it's another experience. It's a completely different experience. Yeah. And... Oh. Wait. It will be fairly delayed, right? It won't be delivered until... No? What? Said something about 2020. Never mind, I'll get back to that. Um, yeah, the, the question, and the, uh, Apple TV is a good example. Thin Client is another. The challenge with this is it's, it's basically, and the Pi Foundation will probably hit me for this, it's still a consumer hobby device. Yeah. I don't see any organization buying these to replace an actual thin client. No, th- this is what... Because you don't get support. You this will re- need to The Swedish it. word here is molemek. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I.e., you need, you, need to, to, it, it's, you need to tinker with it. Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's an enthusiast's uh, hardware. W- would you be able to ask... W- would Atea, as an example, be able to purchase these, package them, and resell them? Would you be allowed to do that? I don't know what if, kind of If any of one license. of our listeners know that, that would be fairly interesting. Would you be allowed to purchase a bunch of Raspberry Pis, build them together, install an operating system, and sell them as thin clients and like have some kind of unofficial support for them? Hmm. Interesting. I have no idea. Because I think that that's the challenge with this. We are talking about this will be the perfect thin client. Yes, but very few consumers have use for a thin client. As a replacement to Apple TV, absolutely. But this will, again, not be aimed towards the people that buy an Apple TV. No, no, I agree. I'm one of them. Yep. And I'm too old and too too not interested to tinker. Exactly. But here you, we have the, the power, if we so choose. Yes, exactly. And compare, so how much is an Apple TV that supports 4K? 130. So it's the same price. 130. You, yeah, but one, uh, three, one Pi, zero. official case, official PSU. Uh, oh, you get a mouse and keyboard, HDMI cables, so on. It will add up to basically the same thing to get the complete package. Mm. Give or take. Give or and take. then you would need to put in some yeah, hours an to operating get operating system, yes. Yep. Sure. So I, I love it. I think this shows what you were able to push really tiny and cheap hardware to, which is... <laughs> this I will get hit for. This is basically what Surface is for desktops. Surface should be the the north star to aim for in terms of flexibility and so on. This is what you could do in the other end of the spectrum for hardware. Sure. 
And this is one one thing to to keep in mind, and this is the last thing I'll say about this. This is still a generic piece of hardware. Yep. This is not a highly specialized ASIC that does one thing exceptionally well. This is a full-blown darn computer yep. about the size of a postage stamp. Yep. So it's super cool. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm curious. It says news in Outlook. Oh, you will like this. So, um, Outlook for Windows will be updated um, soon. So you will probably get it this month or next with some new features. Uh, this blog post was it's actually quite old now, but I haven't seen it until now. So it's, it's from May. So many of these things should probably be out or will be out soon. Okay. I'll take some things from this. So my favorite, my absolute favorite is that you're able to set a default duration of meetings. Ooh. And that you always could put in to end appointments and meetings early. So if you schedule a meeting that's less than an hour, as an example, mm-hmm. you can schedule an hour, but it will only book 55 minutes or 50 minutes. I don't get it. So I know that you know and have this same challenge as I have. I have back-to-back meetings all the time. Sure. This would enable you to actually book a one-hour meeting. You don't need to fiddle around with meeting times and so on. So you book one-hour meetings or right. half-an-hour meetings, right. and it will end that meeting five or ten minutes early, depending on the length of the meeting, so that you always get room between meetings. Oh. so It's th- such an... I, I don't know if it was easy to program, but it's such an obvious and great feature. Cool. You will also get some improvements to time zone management. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> Especially if you happen to be so far apart that you get to have meetings on different dates. Oh, right. That right. will be highly improved now. So you will actually see the meeting and the day and the month of their of your local time. Oh, right, right, right. You will also be able to see as an attendee what other attendees have replied to a meeting with. Mm-hmm. So if you are scheduled to go in a meeting, you know that there are some people that are key for you to meet in a meeting and they have declined the meeting. Right. You can then see that status right. and decline it. Yep, yep. You can also um, now... and <laughs> Have you ever booked a meeting, send it out to a bunch of people, and then people start to forward it? since they think that other people should be in this meeting. Yeah. That's a pain. I hate yeah. people that does that. Yeah. I've decided in my meeting who should be in that meeting. Mm-hmm. At least ask me prior to forwarding it. You can now um, set these options so that you can require a response, that you can allow or disallow to propose a new time, and that you can disallow forwarding of meetings. Oh, finally. And you have a bunch of different and new reminders. So it's it's actually quite a large update. You also get a better room view. So if you need to book rooms in separate locations, separate buildings, separate geographical locations, you can now toggle which building or which location you should see in the room list when you book the meeting and only see rooms that are available on that location instead of seeing every single room you have in your catalog. Cool. So... Outlook is a very underestimated product. Um, 
since I didn't see this blog post <laughs> until one and a half month later. Uh, but it's great, and I especially love that end meeting early option. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of, this is one of the, my, my worst segues ever, but <laughs> it kind of moves into the, the realm of data and, and keeping track of things, right? How do we, it, it's strange. As soon as you open your mouth, you talk about data. I know, right? <laughs> so I don't know how that happened. You've, you've heard me talk about the iterative approach to BI since time immemorial. Yeah. And the need for keeping track of your data, making sure that it has a, a data set that it is high quality and certified as, as okay. Yeah. And then you want to share that data set. And with Power BI data flows, we got the ability to share a data set between reports, yep. right? And that, that was a big, big thing. And I immediately started thinking about scenarios where you could have um, put data artifacts in, in one place, keep track of those, and reporting stuff in another place. Yep. With shared, uh, especially with, with shared data sets that just came out, this enables that exact scenario for real, where you have both data flows and shared data sets that you can put in one area oh and then you share this to one or more reports so you can definitely decouple reports from the data and matthew roche has written a very interesting and insightful blog post about this where he basically calls it work spaces with a with a space between work and spaces where you separate data from the visuals which i think is the definitely the way to go absolutely yeah and and it's it's fun to see that this mirrors my thoughts exactly but he managed to put them into words and and pictures much better than i could so definitely read that and start to think of how to implement power bi in a large organization because this kind of redraws the um the playing field for in a very 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 good way yeah Absolutely. Even I understand that. Yeah, there we go. So regardless of how bad that segue were, the content was good. Awesome. Great. So what about conditional access? Oh, so we have spoken about M365 business plenty of times. And to me, this is the best value for money you can get in terms of Microsoft licensing. If you are an organization with less than 300 users. Right. But... I've always also recommended that if you're going the M365 business route, you should also add Azure AD Premium P1 to that license to get multi-factor authentication and full conditional access. Sure. Now, since a couple of weeks, conditional access is a part of M365 for business. And we had an interesting discussion about this the other day. Um, It was part of Office 365, right? The the, the multi-factor authentication. Because for, for for admins, yes, not for users. And some people claim that's not the case. Because I agree with you. Admins yeah. always, but some people claim that they had set up Office 365 business yeah. and they had access to multi-factor authentication. Yes, for office applications. For exactly, yeah. for office applications. Yeah. That's the thing. Now you can get it for basically. Anything. Nice. And um, that also gives you multi-factor authentication as part of conditional access. Right. So to me, now it's it's basically complete. 
you get everything. If you are a business below 300 users, I can't, and now I go out on a limb here, I can't see any other offering from Microsoft or anyone else that could compete with this. I'm curious, what do you miss out on if you decide not to go with the P1? The Azure now, AD P1. now you don't miss out on kind of anything. Really? There are s- perhaps some few things and you could perhaps end up... What about no. the security aspects of, of things? What's included in the business SKU? Um, Office 365 ATP. It's in there? Yes. Oh, Office hello. 365 ATP. Uh, you won't get Windows Defender or Microsoft Defender ATP. What about... Okay, right. And you won't get Azure ATP. Mm. But then again, that's even though you, of course, use it with Azure AD, it's more aimed towards a local AD. Sure. Um, but you get Azure Information Protection. You get Intune. Um, you get everything in Azure AD now that you probably will use. There are some things that you could look into, like identity protection and so on. Yep. But for an organization, we, we still need to remember that it's still organizations below 300 users. Mm. They can, of course, benefit from the other security solutions as well. But for the price point yep. of it's, this... It's very hard to beat. It's extremely hard to beat, if even possible to beat. How cool is that? Yeah, so and this is your one-stop shop. You, you get Windows Virtual Desktop for Windows. Yep. Um, so... Well, basically, anything that has Windows Virtual Desktop in it, you will buy it, right? Yeah, and, and you will get FSLogix. Because, again, anything that has yeah. Windows Virtual Desktop, you personally will buy it. Absolutely. Yes. It's basically like having a Penguin logo on anything. Right. Yep. You say that as if it was a good thing. I say it as it is a thing. Ah. All right. So what's with Hyper-V Server? Uh, it was released yesterday. <laughs> if I understood Jeff Woolsey's tweet right. So the Hyper-V server, which is basically server 2019 with Hyper-V, the Hyper-V feature alone, right, uh, was released yesterday and Jeff Woolsey asked us to retweet it. So it's now available. So MS Hyper-V server 2019 is our free virtualization platform. Oh, someone took a bite out of my, of, of uh, Oracle. Yep. That's interesting. Yep. So it's basically VMware so, Workstation. No, no, um, no, no, ESX. VMware, right. So right. you don't pay for that particular the, the server. Hypervisor. Okay. Exactly. You don't pay for the hypervisor, but you pay for everything that runs on top of the hypervisor. Of course. All right. Interesting. Yes. Is this uh, completely headless as well? I think it is. I'm actually not sure. I, have, I don't think I ever have installed it. That's something for our uh, Finnish friend. Right. Uh, I would say it is. It, it should be. Yeah. And it really don't need that for Hyper-V. Uh, so, great. True. Use it. Use yes, it. Sir. Choose it. Use it. <laughs> we also have a few news to Intune for Education. Okay. Uh, we now can perform bulk actions. On devices and users. Huh? That's a new thing. So basically wipe up to 100 devices at a time. Factory reset them. Sync. Autopilot reset. Delete. That okay. haven't been available previously. Okay. Uh, I think, and that's something that we see in other Azure services as well, that 
for some case, lists in Azure haven't really been great at performing bulk actions. Right. We also have had a, a slight challenge Uh-oh. previously. So you have an Intune tenant. Mm-hmm. And this is especially for our municipalities, as an example. You have an Intune tenant where you are running Intune on the devices. Right. Then you re- decide that you want to use Intune for education as well, because that's a separate license, even though it's the same backend. Uh-huh. Previously, if you added Intune for Education licenses to an already existing Intune tenant, that would enable a number of recommended policies for every device and user in that tenant. Oops. Which um, usually didn't end up too good. You deployed a bunch of apps, new policy settings and so on. That's now gone. You will get recommended policies instead, but it won't automatically deploy them to every single machine in your tenant. Right. So that's a very, very wanted change. Mm-hmm. And and this is something I, I really... Have you seen the user adoption documentation that Microsoft released a couple of weeks ago? No. So we have been talking about user adoption of Teams exchange right 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 right. and and to me this has always been an obvious thing you should talk user adoption even with security features always that's a key thing in every single mdm project i've ever been inside of you need to educate your users in what this is microsoft have now released full documentation with pre pre pre-made one pages and so on to drive user adoption of your security solutions like into nasher ad that is epic stuff. Yep. And on that epic stuff. It's time to end this epic stuff. Yes, we are out of time. Yep. So we will see you, I'm going to say next time. Next I think and next not time is. Dates. No, we will see. This is the last week I'm working. Oh, we're going on vacation. I'm going we? on vacation. So we'll see when we're back. Yep. <laughs> we, um, we we should really do some best of knee deep in tech soon. We should. There are so many things we should do. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll find time for that. Definitely. All right. Take care. I, take care. Bye. Bye.